The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking time to join us. As the sport of kings is still kicking on, we are just ramming it up and getting into running speed. We are in the 13 days into 2011. I'd like to say time flies, but eh, it's just kind of creeping along. 2011's already here. Baby New Year. He's already climbed back in, uh, back into his spot, and he's waiting next year. But as I said before, once again, happy birthday to all thoroughbreds. They turn a year older on January 1. It's kind of nice to know. Easy to remember. No birthday cards to send. 191,000 and growing. That is the Winning Ponies Exotic Predictions. 13 days into 2011, as I said before. They've got some new data coming your way, real-time data. That kind of equates to you get it very speedy. That's biggins, predictions, changes, scratches. Real-time, it happens up to the moment. There's no delay, and that only behooves you as a player to have access to that. Winning Ponies is diving into the bottom of that barrel, and they're coming out with a gem for you. That's coming your way this year, real-time data. New data coming your way, and the predictions are easy to use. It makes a day at the races a profitable venture. Color-coded, easy to use, and nope. The color codes, they do not favor the one-to-nines. When I very first started taking a look, I kept trying to find the one-to-nines up there, and there was a 20-to-1, a 5-to-1, an 18-to-1. The one-to-nine was in the third tier. Now, if you take a look at these tiers, they're easy to use. If you're brand new to the game, Take a look at the top. We'll just say they're, they're dark blue. Then the next ones are bright yellow. The bottom ones are, you know, hunter green. I'm not a real color fanatic, but I have to say it's easy to use. That's who they like in the first level, the second level, and the third level. You mix, mingle, and do a little handicapping and come up with it, and you will see for yourself. They've got some handy-dandy icons, some speed ratings, not only for this race, but for the last three, and they've also got turf ratings as well. Check it out, www.winningponies.com. They can be happy. think you're going to say, hmm, I kind of like this. going to check it a little deeper. What's happening tonight? We're going to talk about some biggins. We'll recap last week's action. Got a little story in racing here. I, I was kind of reading this, and it was from Southern Gaming, the History of Gambling. It's actually a two-part series. I'll... Get started into it a little bit here shortly. I like a little story. So he has that third grade coming out of me. I just uh, never got past the teacher reading to me. I like that. And plus, it's very interesting. Joining us as our special guest this night is the Raging Cajun, retired hot rider, Randy Romero, Hall of Fame rider. Incredible guy. Very nice guy. Great story. He has fought about every type of ailment known to man. Injury. 
I think, Ann, you're going to be very impressed. Very nice gentleman. News from the world of racing. I'm going to keep you up to date on what is happening, what is out there in the wide, wide, wide world of thoroughbred action. Then we're going to do some final furlong handicapping. Yep, I dug down deep. My man, Leon, he responded to us in a little bit of a, an answer on one of my blogs. He said, hey, I want some free picks. You know what? I said, I will have some out post-haste tomorrow. For tomorrow, I should say. But, in fact, I have some picks for Saturday, even a couple for Friday. Just can't get enough of it. So that's what we got going on. We got a, a full night for you. Let's kick it right off with the biggins. Friday, January 7, 2011, 78 total biggins. 2011, still am not used to saying it, but, hey, we're going to get used to it. Hialeah Park leads the day on January 7th. Race 2 of Superfecta Key, $14,480 even. Saturday, January 8th, 61 total biggins. Penitentiary, the Penn National, race number 6 of Superfecta Box, $3,874.80. Sunday, January 9th, 67 total biggins. Leading the pack is Los Alamitos, race number 5 of Superfecta Nine thousand four twenty six twenty. Gotta like that. You gotta like that a lot. Monday, January tenth, fourteen total biggins fairgrounds. The big easy race number nine superfecta two thousand three hundred nineteen dollars and forty cents. Tuesday, January eleventh, twenty nine total biggins the penitentiary again races six two nine. Yep, that's a big four. Two thousand eight hundred sixty three dollars and sixty cents. Wednesday, January 12, 28 total biggins. Tampa Bay Downs, TBD as I call it. Race number 10, Superfecta Box, 2009-07-20. Thursday, January 13, 16 total biggins. Gulfstream, opener in Gulfstream. The race number one is Superfecta, $3,320.40. And racing action is not over. I've been watching a little bit of Turfway Park in the background on TVG. Best part about, best part about racing now the coverage, where were we 20 years ago? I mean, we would not have been able to see this. We would have had to read about it in the paper, but now I'm watching it. Even if you don't have a wager on it, it's nice to do a little scouting report. Stakes was awesome last week. Uh, that would be that would be 1-8-2011. I'm going to get used to saying it whether I like it or not. The San Pasquale agreed to a Santa Anita, value of the race $150,000. Winner is Aggie Engineer Jojo Talamo for Patty Gallagher. Wins by three and a quarter links. Then we shift our tack down to Gulfstream. The Howes Hope, a grade three event for $100,000. Winner, Soaring Empire. A length and a quarter. Jose Les Counter for Cam Gambalotti. The spectacular bit at Gulfstream. Winner is Determinato. Wins by a length and a quarter. Abar Car for Larry Pilotti. Very nice run indeed. I saw this. On the replay for $100,000. Back up to New York we go, and that is the Busanda Stakes at Aqueduct. $65,000 up for grabs. Dance quietly marches right into the winner's circle by a length in three parts. Ramon Dominguez, Todd Pletcher. I believe that was the day Dominguez wrote five winners. Hot hand. We also had him on as a guest, if you do remember. But nothing like the guest we're going to have on tonight. He is going to be joining us here in a second segment. That'll be one Mr. Hall of Fame writer, Randy Romero, going to be joining us, so you're going to want to catch that in the second segment. Fairgrounds, the Dixie Poker Ace Stakes. It was only $60,000 only $60, a mile on the turf. Wild Rally is the winner, Rosie Napravnik. And I, I just like this gal. She gets it done. Wins by a solid link there. And then at Tampa Bay Downs, TBD, Pelican Stakes, $60,000 up for grabs. 
CIA is the winner. Herber Villa Gomez for Jamie Ness wins by length in three parts. Length in three parts must have been the uh, flavor of the day. Turfway preview stakes at Turfway Park. $50,000 is the pot up for grabs in his glory. Goes right to the win for a dirty nose for trainer Wayne Mogi is a damn good trainer in the Kentucky uh, in the Kentucky ring. Rodney Prescott, his regular go-to guy, and uh, paid uh, paid a nice price, a nice little three-year-old gelding in his glory there at Turfway Park in the preview stakes. And then I ran another turf paradise, the Kachina Handicap, only $25,000 going a mile. Snugs and kisses, and you got Jose Rivera. For Don Sowers, they're winning by a length in a quarter there, only 25000 bucks. We'll take that any time we could actually get it. So there you've got a little case of the biggins. The biggins are gone. The biggins are all tied up. And, and you know, you got to kind of like that. Uh, you, you're, you're under rock if you were tied up and they didn't pay the ransom. Now you know what happened last week and you know what you should have been doing as far as, or as, far as the biggins were going on. And now I'd like to give you a little bit of a story. So kick on back, and you got a couple minutes until break, and we're going to be digging up Mr. Romero here. Uh, we're waiting feverishly for him. The History of Gambling, and once I said it was in Southern Gaming, it's a great publication. It's actually free. You can get it online and or you can have it mailed to you. It's called The Early Days, first installment by Mr. Jeremy White. Gambling is a pastime that is practically as old as modern man itself. It's been part of the human existence experience. The world over for thousands of years is evidenced by the discovery of dice in the ancient Egyptian tombs. More than 2,000 years before Jesus Christ walked the earth, games of chance were played in places like China, Greece, Rome, and Persia, where the forerunner of where poker is thought to have been invented. Where do you think it is? How about China? That kind of caught me off guard. I wouldn't have bet on that one. I would have thought of Rome. Regardless, gambling had a foot home with man before the founding of America, so it is no surprise that the love of gambling is one of the many things American colonists brought with them as they settled on the East Coast and created the country in which we now reside. So I kind of find that kind of neat. But the real fact of the matter is gambling existed on the continent before the Caucasian settlers arrived. Native Americans had their own game of skill and chance. They didn't need our help. They were already way far and above us. They had Indian casinos before they were cool. One of them was a physical sport that closely resembled a hybrid modern-day lacrosse and rugby. Spectators often wagered on which side would emerge victoriously. Kind of cool. I heard uh, in the Incan, <laughs> in the Incan capitals, they had a game where it was kind of like basketball, rugby, and soccer, and the losing teams lost their heads. You talk about losing your head over a wager. That's not for me, but they actually took it pretty serious there. As I'm looking up here on screen, Randy Romero is on hold. We're going to be getting to him here momentarily. So, Randy, just hang in there tight. Meanwhile, in the late 1500s and early 1600s, before America's settlements, parlor games were a part of the genteel life in England. Their propensity for cards made its way across the Atlantic when early pioneers began setting up shop on the eastern seaboard by the early Puritans who populated the northeast saw the hobby as morally subversive. Means bad. Means very, very bad. As a result, they sought to eradicate gambling in an effort to keep their culture pure. Regardless of their efforts, many English settlers considered gambling to be downright proper entertainment. You know what? I kind of agree with that one. Thus, it managed to survive despite puritanical resistance. In fact, many of the original colonies utilized lotteries as a way to raise capital. Now, that 
goes back to my history uh, days and reading that, that many a times I believe Ben Franklin brought it up that uh, they have a lottery to raise capital for building major buildings, erecting things, making things happen. It was the beginning of government-sponsored gaming in America, a practice that continues to this day. It's practically every state in the Union runs a lottery. Gambling really flourished in the country and came into its own as settlers migrated westward. Quite a heyday in the early 1800s as riverboats took over the Ohio and Mississippi rivers and became an important piece to commerce and transportation. New Orleans fast became America's principal gaming town as the lower Mississippi Valley became the heart of commerce in the westward expansion. French settlers in New Orleans popularized poker. In fact, America's first full-fledged casino opened in New Orleans in 1822. It was open 24 hours a day, table games, roulette, food, and alcohol. A little taste of history, a little taste of gambling there. So if you thought you invented it, yep, you were wrong. So now you've been caught up on what is happening, what you should have been doing with us, and hopefully you were, and gave you a little bit of a tidbit of a story. But the story you're going to get after we come back from break is one of a Hall of Fame writer who has overcome many things in his life, injuries, ailments, and he was one hell of a speed rider. I caught him so many times at Keeneland, I just can't count. Every time he was in a four-and-a-half furlong race with that left-handed stick, one Randy Romero made it look so easy down the lane as he plied his trade as a very young lad in Cajun land, the raging Cajun as he is known will be joining us here in our second segment. Well, it is time to head to a break, and when we return, we're going to be talking with that raging Cajun. He is on hold, Mr. Randy Romero, but you're only going to hear it if you stay tuned for more Winning Ponies. Well, I'm walking to the room, passing out hundreds. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to join us. On this Thursday evening here, because without you, there'd be no us. And we are grateful that you take your time and you take a look at Winning Ponies overall, because it is worth the look, definitely. Don't take my word for it. Take it a look at it for yourself. Always, each and every week, we in our second segment, we have on a special guest. This week is definitely no different. Joining me this week, a gentleman nicknamed the Raging Cajun. I believe it originated in at Oakland. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. A gentleman rider from Louisiana, Erath, Louisiana. Joining us now is Hall of Fame rider Randy Romero. Randy, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you Ed, for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to to join us. Uh, now, I as I said, I'd butchered, and you you had to correct me. And th- thank you for doing that. Born in Erath, right. Louisiana, into a family. It's involved in racehorses. Tell our listeners, this is your first time on board, and once again, thanks. Tell our listeners about how you got started in race riding. Okay. Um, my my uh, daddy was a policeman, and my grandpa was a foreman, a trapper, and we had 100 acres. And we had cows and chickens, and we had everything. Everything was, uh, the 100 acres was formed with sugar cane, cotton, sweet potato, I mean, everything, we lived off the land. And I remember riding the mules with my grandpa. And um, my grandpa was the one that was really involved into the horses as he was a younger guy. My daddy was a policeman. And he got into it after I wanted to get into it. And uh, we all got together and got involved in in the racing with my grandpa's help. And my grandpa was a, my hero. He used, he used to take me to the racetrack on, on Sundays. And my mama took me to church on Sundays early. Then we'd go to the match track around 11. And we'd ride all day long. Um, but, uh, the racing came in after they saw that I wanted to ride. And I was, I was blessed with some talent. And, and I just learned by my eye and watching other riders ride and scene. That's what I wanted to be when I was nine years old. I wanted to be a jockey. And I devoted all my life and started dieting at the age of nine to become a jockey. And uh, uh, I was very, very fortunate and lucky and blessed to have the talent. And um, my grandpa helped me out and uh, took me to the match races. And I learned from them on the match tracks when I was rolling all over uh, Louisiana riding match races uh, and uh, eventually I worked and got into the professional aspect of it. You know, I was watching HRTV and they did a remarkable piece on uh, on your family and it seemed like you had a very special relationship with your grandpa. Yes. 
He, my, my father was, uh, um, he was mentally, uh, and physically abusive to all my brothers and my mother, well, five brothers. And the, the, the most I want, the whole, the best I stayed away from him, the better I was. But he did help me out in getting on horses too, you know, I rode the All-American for my father. And he helped me out some, but my grandpa was the, was the king. Um, he helped me out, lay down on horses and, uh, make pace with my horses and, and he used to talk to me and take me to all the racetracks that I need to meet the people and, um, yeah, my, my, my father was really hard on us for some reason or another. I don't know why, but he was physically and mentally abusive and I didn't want to stay home. So most of the time I stayed in my grandpa's house. But we all finished, it was five brothers. Um, uh, there was Gerald, the trainer, and there was Edward and myself. I'm in the middle, and uh, Kenneth and John. And there was five boys, and my mama, Joyce, had the five boys. And all at one time, it was all in diapers at one time, I could remember. <laughs> way, way back then, my mama's a sweetheart. She's an angel. And... um it, it, it was a. It, it, we learned a lot. We we, we raised pro, uh, the. Um, we lived on the land. We we had all of the um, uh, the crops that we needed to. Work. We even worked on rice and stuff. You know, we had the mules. We had sweet potatoes, and it learned showed us how to work, and and it made us be. Um, uh, work, work, very good work ethics in our in our lives, and um, from there I took on to the horses, and and I said to my brothers, I said, man, we got to do something better than this farm. We got to do something better and easier, and then it just clicked on that we used to go on trail rides on Saturdays, and um, we get everybody in the country. They didn't have no blacktops; it was all gravel road. And uh, and we got all a friend's house that had horses, and we used to go on trail rides. And after the trail rides, we used to match race. And I had a little Shetland pony that was really fast, and she outrun the big horses for a certain <laughs> amount of distance. But uh, this 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 story is unbelievable because I can go on until tomorrow morning. I was very very fortunate to have some talent and. Uh, God gave me some talent, and I was blessed, and all my brothers helped me out, and my, my mama helped me, my, my my grandpa was there for me at all times, and I was just a fortunate guy, and made my luck, I worked hard at it, and uh, what I put into it is what I got out of it, and uh, I always said when I was young, I wanted to be good, and I, I didn't want to just be a jockey, I wanted to be the best I could be. And uh, I, I, I accomplished that. I think that you did, and, and thank God that uh, you were blessed with having a, a strong man such as your grandpa in your life who, who actually uh, kept your nose to the grindstone and, and showed you the right way and, and raised you as such. And, you know, you, you had talked about family and a family of five and, uh, in, in, in the movie Casey's Shadow. Now, a lot of mm-hmm. people may not know this, but it's it's actually based on the Romero family. What was it like seeing a version a version of your life on the screen? 
Okay. We had a quarter horse. Uh, uh, we, I rode quarter horses before I started riding thoroughbreds, and my dad had trained Rocket Magic. It was the horse's name. It wasn't Casey Shadows. And uh, my dad had gotten an accident. He broke his neck and his back, and my brother went to training him. And I breezed him one morning in, uh, in Nick Charles there, Louisiana. And and I told Gerald, my brother Gerald, he's the oldest, I said, this is a running son of a gun. I said, this is probably the fastest horse I ever rode. I said, when he's going to run, he's going to probably break the track record. Well, at that time, he ran under the lights, and it was the first time, and you don't use a whip on a first-time start on a quarter horses. And he broke the track record. And we wow. knew we had something special. And that's when the people followed, started following the horse, the movie, the movie people. And um, we went ahead and we run him in that race. And he won, like, the horses went, a quarter horses went by noses and necks and, you know, just a couple of feet. But this horse went by five or six lengths. You'd think he was riding a thoroughbred. He went by so far. And they followed him and they wanted to make a movie by him because he was so fast and so talented. And they thought that he would be a winning All-American. Now, that movie was some... Walter Matthau played my dad. They did a really good job, too. Mm-hmm. But some of the, the parts in the movie were not exactly correct. They changed a lot of uh, things because my mom was there and we were five boys and they only had three in there. And Well, it made the movie. You know, they didn't want to make the movie, so they had to change some parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the movie to make it uh, um, a really great movie, and which it is. It's probably one of the best horse movies you ever seen. I agree. I but, do uh, agree. Yeah, but um, uh, I, w- I went ahead and uh, we moved on with Pam and run him in All American, and he didn't get a bad, a great shake away from the start, and I broke last, and we finished third. They give him a winner in the movie, but he went third in the movie in the in the, uh, in the race, and uh, that kind of disappointed me because I knew I had the best horse. He was two to five, and he he had broke three track records. He only run five times. He was uh, and the only time he got beat was an All American, and they didn't give me a good straight um, uh, dealings out of the gate. Uh, the starter didn't want to. Um, the starters uh, wanted money up front to get a good break and uh, my dad didn't want to go for that and we broke last and um, we finished third but you know after the fact after everything is said and done we probably should have did it but my dad didn't want to do, to do it the correct way and the honest way and and uh, we got beat but after that happened I went and turned myself into riding thoroughbreds because you know Quarter horses, you just have uh, seconds to do, and you can't make no mistake. And it's only 400 yards, and thoroughbreds is a mile and a quarter. You know, you have time to make a mistake and come back and win. A little more and time to rebound. Business. You know, Randy, that 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 kind of leads me to when I first really got to see you ride in person, and and I live very close to Keeneland Racecourse, and and I spoke to you off the phone. Now they used to run in the springtime the four and a half furlong uh, uh, the baby races and they'd run right. 15 days and they'd run 15 races one meet you right. won thir- 13 of these 
Every day right. I was betting a couple of dollars on whoever Randy Romero rode. Was that because, yeah. in part, you were you were such a, a talented uh, quarter horse rider that it helped you on the four and a half furlong? That, that it was a big, big ex- uh, success for me. And I learned a lot riding uh, the quarter horses, and then when the thoroughbreds came in, I was really quick out the gate. And for them baby races going a half a mile, you got to be quick. And you gotta be, you gotta pay attention to what they do. And I used to breeze them all, the ones I used to ride. I put extra work into my business because I wanted to know the horse and the feel. Because I had so many to ride, I wanted to make sure I rode the right one. Because I was dead, I was, uh, I was gonna demand the time, um, in, in riding all baby races. It just, it seems like yesterday when you did, it didn't matter. I, I didn't even care about the odds or who it was. I, my buddy would go to the track and I'd say, hey, would you bet me three or four to win Randy Romero? It didn't matter who it was. I was, uh, I was, I was hooked. And Randy, I was going to jump into your, your major, some of the major runners that you've ridden. There's just too numerous about the races because you've won so daggone many in quite a career. You're, you're, you're a Sports Hall of Fame in Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in 2005, the Racing Hall of Fame in 2010, and you, you've won so many daggone races. I mean, you've got quite a resume. So I was going to ask you what it was like to ride some of the most significant runners, and I was going to start with personal ensign, uh, uh, undefeated winner of 13, voted 88, uh, 1988 Eclipse Award, and American champion, older female. What was it like to ride personal ensign, especially coming down the stretch at Churchill Downs on Breeders' Cup Day? Wow, it was something else. Her first start, I knew she was a runner. I told Suge McGahee after she had run, I says, Suge, this is some filly. I've, she's probably the fastest thoroughbred that I ever rode. I mean, I tell my brother I rode the fastest quarter horses. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I'm not. I was very, very, I worked a horse, and I could tell you how good he was. I was very talented for that because I put a lot of time into it. So I worked this filly for, uh, I rode this filly for Sugar, and she went for fun. And I said, Sugar, this, she's a freak. And she's that good? I said, yes, she is. And we run in a, in a grade one right after that, and she won that also. Then she broke her back leg, and she was out for a whole year. And um, But uh, she was a push button, and she was determined to win that race with winning colors. In fact, winning colors had won the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. And I had broke winning colors as maiden over there at Saratoga. I had a little... Uh, I had an opportunity to, to ride her. So I had an opportunity to ride some great, great fillies. So, uh, and, but I knew I had a little edge on, on winning colors because uh, Personal Anson was really um, more, she, she was um, determined, and she had a really, really good mind on herself. And, um, and Suge did a massacre of her job by training her. He took his time. He was a perfectionist in training her. And uh, that day there, I just got up to win by a nose. And that was probably one of the greatest races that I ever raced. And to this day, they name it that. Um, she was special. She was the, she was determined. And she had broke her leg out, and she was out for a whole year after her second start. 
Then her third start, I had to go to uh, ride a million dollar race in Chicago, the Arlington Million. Uh-huh. And Shook says, if you go ahead, that horse is favored. You got a chance to win. This is just an allowance race. When you come back, you got to win, lose, or draw. You got personal answer back. And that was the only time I did not ride her. And then she come back and won, and she never got beat. But she never did get beat ever. But Jerry nope. Bailey rolled it that one time. Mm-hmm. I, I remember looking at the past performances, 13 for 13, incredible. And you you had a, a real blessing with, with another Superphilia champion, uh, thoroughbred racehorse, uh, a two-year-old. She was three for four uh, before winning the uh, 89 Breeders' Cup uh, Philly, uh, she was an Eclipse uh, Award outstanding two-year-old at three. She did uh, quite well, and she matched up yeah. with an Argentinian mare, Bayacoa, in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Right. And uh, in this race, in in racing, will be marred forever, and that is Go for Wand. Uh, what was that day in that race for you yeah. like? The happiest day was personal answer when she won up to get up, uh, win by nose over winning colors. The saddest day was when I rode her. Uh, and when there was a, it was really a match race. It was at Belmont. She had won a two-year-old race, the Breeders' Cup in Florida. Now, the Breeders' Cup comes for the distance. She had won a two-year-old juvenile. Now she runs against the Olden Mares at Belmont. And it was a cat-and-mouse race, and my mare drew the inside. But my mare had speed, too, you know, and and Bayacoa had more speed, and they thought I was going to follow her. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to play cat and mouse with him. If my bear breaks really well, I'm going to take advantage of it, And which I, I did. She broke good. I put her on a high closer to the fence than he was, and and uh, it's a game of inches, you know. Every When you ride those horses, you you got to know that eventually it comes down to the, with the the best ones, it comes down to inches, and I knew it was going to be a race like that. And uh, we straightened up, and I had him. I mean, he would come to me and move away. He'd come to me and move away, and all of a sudden, I put my stick in my left hand, hit it twice, and she broke her leg. And that was like seventy yards to the wire, and she was ahead. And I looked at the corner of my eye, I could see her leg flopping. I said, "Oh my God." And uh, it was just, it was terrible. I broke eight ribs and a shoulder that day. And um, it was the saddest day. I mean, everybody, you could hear a pin drop in the track at Belmont that day. And, um, I mean, it was really, really sad. And they had to put destroy her on the track there. Something that was, I wrote, Randy. She, she was read. a really good runner. She was a running fun gun herself. It's a shame she didn't have enough time to produce and do more like other mares did because she could have maybe, maybe, maybe been dead in personalization. Who knows, you know? She she was incredible, and we were appreciative for the time that we actually got to see her on the track. And that day will we'll stick out in my, my memory as well as many other race has for years. I was reading something, and, you know, it, it was just something that kind of caught my eye and brought a tear to the corner of my eye and said, she possibly could have broke her leg a little bit further uh, or a little bit earlier. And then, as you said, you went to the left stick. It says she fell about where the place of the flagpole was where Ruffian is actually buried. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, when I read that, I didn't know that, and that actually brought a tear to my eye. You know what? 
let's switch gears here, and we've had a happy and a sad moment, and and I want to know more as well as our listeners want to know more about you, and uh, and then we're we're going to touch on uh, on on Randy Romero, the man. I know you haven't had your uh, your your feet up, and you haven't been fishing much, or you might be fishing, but. Uh, you know what? We've got a remarkable ride. Randy Romero's remarkable ride by Bill Heller. It was released shortly before you're inducted, you were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Tell us about what this book is about, uh, because it actually sounds like a, a book that I want on my shelf. Yes, you really do. It's it's about, it's about myself that uh, I've had a lot of complications in riding. and I got hurt a lot, and all the comebacks that I come to be back and be number one again. I was uh, leading riders 27 times at 10 different tracks. There's no jockey that's ever did that. Um, I, I per- persevered. It's it's the the book. Is, it's an uh, emotional book, but it's it's um, to, for people that say, "Man, I lost my job." I, I, and, you know, I have no other chance. But you read this book and you can see that there is a chance for people. It's a, uh, it's like a, a preservation book. Um, to well, you de- you're head. definitely a persevered. Uh, how many injuries and health problems have you overcome that your book is going to touch on? It, it was like 26. I had right. broken arms and legs, and I got oh. burned in a hot box explosion in 1983, 60% of my body, second, third degree burns. Oh. And I almost died then, and um, I made it, and I come back and to be leading around the country. You and, came back relatively um, fast after that hot box incident, didn't you? Right. I came back, and uh, it was like two months later. Wow. But, um, I mean, and it, Everything they put on me, I came back and did good. There's a reason why I'm here. I have to say God is putting me on here for a reason. So we'll just take it as that. So I'm I'm pretty tough guy, and I'm very fortunate to ride good horses and have good people behind me, you know, that, that believed in me and give me the opportunity to ride them great horses. And and but when I did get them, I, I didn't mess them up. I I, I produced. I was uh, I, uh, I got the job done. When they needed the job done, I got it done. Well, I I concur with that completely. Anytime I saw you in the saddle, you were always dangerous. Odds did not matter because it seemed like you gave every uh, every drop of sweat that you actually could. And I cannot wait. Uh, personally, I want to I want to uh, get a hold of this book myself. And I, and I would say for anyone that is a racing fan, Randy Romero's Remarkable Ride by Bill Heller is is a book that you're going to definitely want to add to your collection of uh, of uh, racing. And it sounds to be a, a true and good story. There's there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some uh, some uh, some happy times. But as you said, it's a book about perseverance and and personal obstacles overcome. I, I'm definitely going to be reading that. But before I even even put down the book, there's a movie that lays ahead in your future. Right. Well, when the book came out, uh, um, I, I wanted to make the book, but I, I wanted to make a movie about it also because I had so much just happen in my lifetime. It was unbelievable. So I said, hell, why not? So I talked to a couple authors and people, producers and everything, and... And they looked at it. We got the script written. 
we got investors that we're talking with right now, and we need, and we need a couple of more investors that uh, that are helping us out and to get this thing started. We're hoping to get it started January the 26th. So we got a lot, and the movies, the, the book, the book is about the movie, but the movie is gonna be great because uh, we got some good scenes from the Cajun match races and. And uh, me working in the fields. I mean, not me, but we have pictures working in the fields and working horses in the sugar cane field. I mean, this is it's Cajun country. I am a Cajun. I speak Cajun French, and my grandpa couldn't speak no English. I had to learn because he couldn't speak English. I had to speak French. But um, I'm a, I, 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 this movie is going to be awesome, and I, I just can't wait till we get this thing started. The book is five stars. You can get it at Amazon.com, Pelican Publishing Company, all the bookstores all around, everywhere. It's, it's, it's a five-star book, and we've been sold about 3,800 copies already. And, um, and I hope to sell more, you know, but I'm going to tell you what, this, is, this book and this movie is going to be really, really far out. I mean, we've got the places picked out, and we've got the place where... I rode the match races at, and we're going to re, re, reconstruct that here in Louisiana. I'm living, I wasn't living in New Orleans, but we, I moved here two weeks ago because we're ready to find a place to stay to start filming and get in the office and everything. So I just moved to Lafayette, and my wife got a job here also. And, uh, and I'm just working with the book and the movie right now. Uh, a guy named... Um, uh, um, uh, James Courtney is uh-huh. my producer, and Steve Beswick, and we got a couple of other guys that are interested producers that want to get involved, and then they're starting to read the script because the script is really, really good. In fact, we we send the script to a guy, uh, Sam Wilson. He did uh, Dancing Dancing with the Wolves. Yes, Dancing with Wolves. And he says, man, I don't see why this can't win an Oscar, Randy. So if you just get luck, get, take your time, get lucky, get you a good guy to produce it for you. And he says, I don't think you can have a problem. So we've been all excited about that, and we're just holding our own. And I've got to go to dialysis three times a week because I've got burned 60% second, third degree burns, and and and. Uh, they gave me, he- me hepatitis blood in the hospital. And in 83, they never screened the blood. Well, I- after you read the book, you're going to learn more about me. Well, anyway, I'm going to tell you real quick, Mike. Um, they gave me hepatitis blood, but the blood they gave me ate up my organs, my liver, and my kidneys. Now, I can't have no transplants because they tried to kill the virus in my blood with chemo, and they, they could not succeed. So the digital side decided to leave it alone. They tried two chemos on me. And I and I just couldn't fight the, the chemos. It was just eating me up so bad. But uh, I can't have no kidney or liver transplant. And I'm stable right now. I go to dialysis three times a week. I see doctors every every week. And they're on top of me right now. I mean, I'm stable and I'm, I'm doing the best I can for what I got, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm training. Very lucky. Yes, I'm so blessed. So I'm gonna just hang in there and do it the best I can until I, until I, I can't go no more. 
that's all we can ask for from God and and life out of general. And Randy Romero's Remarkable Ride is a book that I think that our listeners are going to definitely want to get a hold of. And then we have a movie in your future that we're going to be on the on the lookout for. Randy, if I may ask, uh, and uh, this will be final question before I turn you loose here, and uh, and what an honor and a privilege it has been. Horse of the Year is going to be decided Monday, and after seeing the races and the runners, if you had a vote, who would it be? Blamers and Yada. I have to say Blame. Okay, Blame. Uh, you you leaned you leaned away from the gal. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Blame went at all the big races, and Zenyana really running with the fillies, and well, she's a nice filly, too, now. I ain't taking nothing away. It's a very, very close vote, but uh, I, I'm, I'm pulling for Blame. Pulling for Blame. We had Al Stahl on a few weeks ago, and... Uh... Al was, uh, <laughs> he, he was, he was not a man uh, who, who was bragging and tooting his own horn. I don't think he had to blamed at all as talking uh-huh. for him. Yes, Randy, he did. On, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time to join us this evening. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and especially for me. We wish you the best on and off the track with your book and your movie, and forever you'll be known as the Raging Cajun. Thanks a lot, Randy. Thank you so much, Ed. Bye-bye. Thank you, Randy. That's been Randy Romero, the Raging Cajun, been with us. Book, movie, you name it, this man is busier. He's busier now than he was in the saddle. Well, it is time to head into a break. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit of news and a little bit of handicapping here on Winning Ponies. Now, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke niggas. Now, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. 
And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Hope you caught Randy Romero. Quite a gentleman. He's overcome quite a lot. You could even tell in his voice there's times of strength, weakness, and uh, hope. And I think he's um, summed it up very nicely, perseverance. And, well, I'll tell you what, what a rider in the saddle. And a nice guy, and I'm looking forward to his book and the movie, as he was alluding to. We got Horse of the Year honors, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of answers, a lot of questions answered this Monday. And the Horse of the Year finalist, that's all going to go down, and it's going to be January 17th at the Fountain Blue Miami Beach Hotel and the uh, dinner ceremony, the 40th annual. Wow. And get this, a record participation, 238 out of 251 voters actually voted. I, I think that is terrific there. And there is such a, such a, a group to, uh, to actually vote for. Horse of the Year, it's between Blame, Goldakova, and Zenyatta, two-year-old male. Boys at Toscanova to honor and serve, and Uncle Mo, two-year-old Philly, Awesome Feather, Our Heat, Lighten, Our Heat Lightning, and Turbulent Descent, three-year-old male, Escandrea, looking at Lucky, Patio Prado, three-year-old Philly, Blind Luck, Evening Jewel, I believe they're calling it Harvard of Grace, but there was a track by the exact same name called Harvard of Gras, but we'll go with Harvard of Grace, Older Male, Blame, Quality Road, and Richard's Kid, Older Female, Life at Ten, Unrivaled Bell, and Zenyatta, Male Spinner, Big Drama, Majestic Perfection, Smiling Tiger, Female Spinner, Champagne Dioro, Dubai Majesty, Rightly So, Male Turf Horse, Dangerous Mind, Giopani, Winchester, Female Turf Horse, Goldakova, Proviso, and Tuscan Evening, Steeplechase Horses, Arcadius, percussionist and slip away owners claiborne farm and adele l b just schneider mr and mrs jerome s moss and winstar farm breeders adina springs claiborne farm and adele still schneider and burton c jones trainer bob baffert todd pletcher john sheriffs jockey ramon dominguez garrett gomez and johnny velasquez and apprentice rider is forrest boyst omar moreno and Angel Serpa. A lot of questions will be answered this Monday, the 17th. I just cannot wait. Uh, I'm going to give you my nickels worth here. I say Zenyatta gets it, and it's actually not going to be, uh, you know, a, it's not going to be one of these, oh, I, I feel a, a lot of emotion. For, I think Zenyatta just did a great job. Blame. Nothing taken away from blame. Just just a super runner there, but I think Zenyatta gets it. And I only touch on the top and bottom, and I think Apprentice Rider, it goes to Omar Moreno riding up at Woodbine. I think we'll, uh, we'll tear them up and really give us a nice surprise. If you're looking for stakes racing action, let's take a look at tomorrow real quick. we got January 14th, Delta Downs. This is Jean Lafitte, a $250,000 race going a mile. Also a Delta, my trusty cat stakes a $200,000 race going seven panels. Oakland, the fifth season, stakes 75000 a mile in the 16th. That's Friday, January 14th. Saturday, January 15th, Santa Anita, the Santa Yanez, a grade two event. Also at Santa Anita, the San Fernando Stakes Grade 2 event, 150000 Sunland Park, the La Senora Stakes. Santa Anita has the Sham at a Grade 3 event, $100,000. Golden Gate offers the California Derby for $100,000. Gulfstream has the Sugar Swirl Stakes Grade 3 event for $100,000. 
Also, the Mr. Prospector Stakes, another grade three. Very nice card at Gulfstream indeed. Tampa Bay has the Pasco Stakes, $75,000 going seven panels. The Gasparilla also going seven panels. Laurel has the Fireplug Stakes for $75,000 in the What a Summer Stakes. Aqueduct offers up the Evening Attire Stakes. Fairgrounds, the Happy Ticket Stakes for $60,000 going five and a half panels. Fairgrounds also offers up the John E. Jackson Memorial. Oaklawn, the Dixie Bell Stakes, Turfway Park, the Wishing Well Stakes, and Rialito, Dr. Dale Shirley Memorial. So you've got a whole lot of action out there this weekend, in fact. And you know what? I'm going to jump right into it here. And, uh, and I'm, going to, I'm going to start it off with, uh, you know, some horses that I like. But before I get into it, I, I, there was something that there was a guest that we had. And I hope that you actually tuned in because uh, there, was, there was a great, great article on, uh, on Equidaily. And, I, and I've often said that Equidaily is, is one of the better places, you know, to actually, you know, catch everything out there. And it says, Jock, watch Daniel Centeno making the most of his shot in the U.S. It talks about Daniel Centeno. It's actually Marty McGee, who's been a guest on our show as well, writing for the Daily Racing Forum, how Centeno actually went two for 85 his first time here, and then after that, he, he just went back to Venezuela, and then he came back to the United States after Erwin Rosendo, a, a fellow rider whom he actually mentioned that day, and Erwin talked him into coming back and how he is tearing them apart down to Tampa Bay, and that's something you want to take a look at. Take a look at Equidaily.com. It's really, really good. Okay, let's jump into some races uh, that uh, I really, really like, uh, and we're going to jump in. And we're going to start on Saturday at Gulfstream in the sixth race. Let's go with the nine in number, the sixth race. And that is Stevel, 3-1. to one. Jose Lescano looking very nice here. Uh, I, I think this runner just fits well. Lescano does very well on the weeds. Been all since October 28th, and, uh, and Lescano has my heart. And then that takes me on to the seventh race. You're not going to get a whole lot of odds, which means you're going to have to really stretch out. In the, and that's the sixth, and that's big drama. Big drama in here. Here is four to five. Abar Cohen and David Fox, they team up together one for one in the money down there at uh, Gulfstream Park. Gulfstream is such a, a, just a tremendous meet this time of year. There's so much action, and the runners get better and better. You definitely want to pay attention to the babies. And then in the ninth race at Gulfstream, I like the three. Jessica is back four to one. Ellis is in the house because he is aboard. Jessica is back for Marty Wilson, two for three in the money there. Those are my those are my Gulfstream picks, and then the Tampa Bay in the seventh race, the seventh race of Tampa Bay. I like the eight devilish lady, eight to five. Daniel Centeno in the irons here, one for one at Tampa. Just won the Sandpiper by a smart eight lengths, and devilish lady looks like really something special. And if Daniel was aboard with us here, I'm sure that you know he would probably tell you that uh, he he is very versed with speed, and uh, but he's comfortable on the front end and coming off the pace as well. Also at Tampa Bay in the ninth race, I like the five. And that is Manicero, five to two, and Luis Saez aboard for Leo Asapura, and then one for one at Tampa Bay. Four starts, three of which are wins, three in a row, going for the fourth. This is a real nice Florida bed. Three-year-old called here. Manicero really looks good. And Santa Anita just has a bevy of uh, great runners. Uh, and real quickly, in the second race at Santa Anita on Saturday, I like the two arousal. P. Val is uh, definitely picking up his tack again. And, 
and, and just doing terrific. And it doesn't have the odds because uh, California, it takes a little more time to, to get it all together and uh, get their odds out there. But in the third race, it is the Sham of Grade 3. I like the one clubhouse ride. That, that, that is a real nice Grade 3 to pay attention to. You know, drawing the rail in California hasn't been one of the worst places to, to actually be. And as a handicapper, you're going to want to you're going to want to kind of follow that along. You can even take a look at the PPs and take a look in the uh, uh, take a look at Equibase and see how they've been doing overall along the rail. And and I and I think you're going to kind of follow me right to the windows with that. In the sixth race, seven panels to Santa Ynez. It's a Grade Two event in here. I like the three, and that is Zazu. Joel Rosario for John Sadler, three for four in the money here. Just finished fifth in a, in a grade one. Dropping back to a grade two from a mile and a sixteenth. I think Zazu is going to run a huge race because they are running on good old Mother Nature dirt out there and uh, coming off of the, uh, the poly track. And then in the eighth race, Actually, I, I like uh, Sydney's candy. You're not going to get much of a price there, but this is something that you're going to want to use in your in your in your gimmicks, your exotics, and kind of stretch out and, and really make it happen. Because when you actually have a, a runner like this, it's almost like a free spot on a bingo card. So you, you start digging in, you start making things happen. I don't think that you're going to feel really bad at the end of this day. Well, we've had a full night here. We've talked about horses. We've talked about some runners. We've given out some runners. And speaking with Randy Romero actually lends the heart to actually know what the word perseverance means. He touched on it, and I think he meant it. He's overcome so much. And as you can hear in his voice, there, there are moments of uh, strength and weakness, but I don't think hope and, and or, uh, hope and or perseverance would ever leave his life. I, it, it only leads me to think of just how tough the game is, especially for riders day in and day out, and especially one of Randy Romero's uh, abilities. And, boy, he will be missed in the saddle. A Hall of Fame rider, it was a sure a lot of fun to watch him. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. This week is no different. Winning Ponies would like to thank once again our Hall of Fame rider, Mr. Randy Romero, for joining us and you for tuning in to Winning Ponies. So until next week... Buckle down, the races are getting better. May your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.